Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mace. Here with me is Jay Jones. Good morning. And this is Free for All Friday. Yep. Free for All Friday time. And uh, we didn't have one last week. I don't know that we'll do a two-hour one, but (coughs) has potential to be a little longer. We've got a good one, I think, ready to talk about. Talking about anxiety, we'll, we'll hop into that. Is anxiety a sin? That kind of blew up on Twitter maybe a week or two ago, and definitely wanted to talk about it. Uh, the claim is anxiety is uh, a sin. Before we jump into that, we're gonna we're gonna be all in the Bible. So if you got a Bible, you might want to grab one. George, I got something to show you. Just one. I want to spend a lot of time, you know, laughing and having a good time, but I just have something I'd like you to see. You, before we started, you literally said, I don't have anything uh, there's, this week. There's just one. <laughs> there's just one. I remembered. All right. Can you come Did, over? Didn't he say that, Larry? Isn't that what he said? Okay. All right. All right. So check this out, George. All right. This, okay. I don't know who this woman is. <clears throat> this came on my Twitter feed. Okay. She says, guys... There's an Anglican church in my area that does these daily prophecies, and it's honestly the most wild, hilarious thing I've ever seen. <laughs> what? Check this out, George. Okay. Here's prophecies. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Sunday, September 4th. They're in bullet, they're in bullet point f- format. <laughs> So I don't know if they handed this out with a bulletin or, uh-huh. or, how, or how this type of prophecy was handed out or someone stood up and read this. Who's giving these prophecies? Is this, is this some uh, Anglican vicar? I guess. <laughs> okay. For a woman who recently... <laughs> this right here would not fly in the South during football season, my friend, because there's a lot of red Solo Cup use going on uh-huh. in Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh-huh. For the woman who recently used a red Solo Cup for her water and is going through a dry time in her life. The water given by Jesus is spiritual life. Drinking the water of life requires regular communion with Jesus, the source. You like that? Is that general? Is that, that general enough? Is that general enough for you? Yeah. That's like Christian fortune cookie. Uh, it, it, this is. This is Christian fortune. This is fortune cookie stuff. All right. For a lady wearing a white blouse and is on the threshold of a new job, the Lord has opened this door for you and is faithful to complete what he has begun. I just love that little uh, add in there. Uh, Philippians uh, 1 6, that in reference to salvation, salvation he applies yeah. it to her job. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Uh, for for a man who recently had to change a flat tire. <laughs> for for a man who recently had to change a flat tire. When you feel that God has the breath of life, uh when you feel that when you feel flat, God has the breath <laughs> breath of life for your soul. Oh man. <sighs> These are just too good. For a woman who has a fence on which flowers are growing, just as you love and water your flowers, God says, you are a ple- precious flower to him. Oh, I'm not going to read all of these. <laughs> well, this is the benefit of, uh, of watching the podcast <laughs> instead of just listening. La- one more. I got to go one more. I got to go one more. For a man 
who was recently eating a Tootsie, Tootsie Roll lollipop. The Lord's grace and mercy over your life never ceases. Come to Jesus with expectancy. What? What do you think of that, George? Think we need to add this uh, to the ministry at Christ Fellowship Church? <laughs> Absolutely, we do. <laughs> All right. To the man, to the man who was eating a tootsie roll <laughs> And then the most uh, general thing. They, is this you know? somebody who's having like a prophecy? They're having like a mental picture I guess, of this. I don't know. Is this is on par with Matt Chandler's yeah, it pirate is. ship? It, it's, it is pirate. <laughs> this is pirate ship stuff. Uh, how did you hold on to that before today, Jay? I want. I almost sent it to you, and I was like, "Nope, I'm holding on to that." Uh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. All right. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Now that I uh, have lifted your spirits, yeah. Uh, let's jump into this very serious discussion. Um, so it is. A, it is a serious discussion, and we know that probably people listening maybe have dealt with anxiety in the past or, you know, battle with anxiety. And also there are people who um, maybe know someone who has anxiety. Also, here's this other component of dealing with things like anxiety and depression is how much people have been influenced by the world's view of these things. Mm-hmm. And to be to try to maybe bring some balance and correction even there, but in a sensitive manner. Right. So, yeah, we want to, this is a conversation that, um, we want to be really careful with. And I, I think that's the problem again with, with Twitter is you can just make these broad statements without any qualifications. Um, you know, uh, so we want to be really careful that we don't swing too far to either side. We want mm-hmm. to remain, um, in, in the biblical, the biblical realm. And the Bible has a lot to say about anxiety. Right. Yeah, it does. So what kicked it off was a tweet by <clears throat> Justin Bullington. I don't really know who this guy is. I just know that people were commenting, retweeting, writing their own stuff about anxiety. <clears throat> uh, but why? But the question is, like, why? Why, why tweet it? I don't know if he's preaching a sermon on this or what, but um, let's pull it up. I'll show you the tweet. People can can see it. He, he says, anxiety is a sin, and then period, right? Mm-hmm. No explanation other than this, the next line. Fundamentally, we become anxious because we've chosen to doubt God's good and perfect will for our lives. Matthew 6, 25 through 34 First Peter five seven. So, uh, people jump. I mean, they go back and forth on stuff. <clears throat> people are like, "You don't have a clue. You're not a psychologist. Mm-hmm. This is why people are leaving the church." People are saying all kinds of stuff. Um, In other words, it's Twitter. It's Twitter. The Twitter wars began. Then you've got Christians, some backing him up. A lot of people actually backing him up, mm-hmm. saying, "No, he's right. It is." There's commands, like these are commands, like right. Jesus gives a command to his mm-hmm. disciples to not be anxious, yeah. not worry about what they wear, what they eat. Mm-hmm. And Paul in Philippians chapter 4 says, uh, to, do not be anxious about anything. Mm-hmm. And so, and they'll say, they'll like maybe even use some grammar, they'll say, 
that command from Paul is in the imperative mood, and then you're like, right. oh, he's doing grammar. It's uh, a, it's and a, it is. It's, it's, a, a, it's a command. Right. It's yeah. a command. And, and then, <clears throat> so anytime you have anxiety, it's a sin. Mm-hmm. So let's jump in. Um, how to begin. Well, so, I, think, I think the first place that we can begin is by affirming that there is sinful anxiety. Right. Um, Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything. That is, that is in the imperative. It is a command. Um, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, he does say, don't worry about what you'll eat, what you'll drink. Don't worry about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, was it verse 7? Right. Um, he says, um, cast, cast all your, your anxiety. It's, on him. it's in the singular. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Mm-hmm. So I think that we we start by saying, yes, that that is true. Th- those those are true. There is sinful anxiety. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but where we need to go is this blanket statement: anxiety is a sin. Stop. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and <clears throat> the reason why we are anxious is because we um, doubt God's care. And we're yeah right. Yeah, um, I think that's good to clarify that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we certainly don't want anxiety. Again, again we, we want to be really careful not to swing too far <laughs> because there is sinful anxiety, and if you are practicing sinful anxiety, you are sinning right. uh, by being anxious. Yeah, I, I would compare it to <clears throat> this. Like, so anxiety can be a sin. Yes. And a lot of times it probably is right but there are a lot of times it's not mm-hmm. just like i i would anger <clears throat> i would yeah that's a good so that's a good example yes. anger a lot of times most of the time probably most is of the time yeah but there are times mm-hmm. where it is appropriate to be angry so right. be angry and do not sin right uh, so you can be angry and not sin right um and so the place i always go back to that is the most helpful i think to just a starting point is to say all right What's the kind of stuff that happened in Jesus's life? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we see Jesus being angry, and we know Jesus is sinless. He never sins. So what type of angry uh, is justifiable? Mm-hmm. Um, and we can say, all right, um, what kind of things make me angry? Mm-hmm. And if they're not the same type of things, it's probably because my anger, my anger <clears throat> is sinful. Right. And I think we can think back to the attributes of God, mm-hmm. um, that God... Um, he's he's angry with the wicked. It's um, it is uh, part of his justice, right, um, and holiness. Uh-huh. So he is angry with sin, right. Um, so I think that we can be angry at the injustices of abortion, yeah, or the way that doctors are mutilating kids, um, because. They think that they're. They think that this girl is a boy. Well, they make a lot of money on it, <clears throat> right? They're greedy. So we we should we should be, I think, angry, right, with that. Um, but uh, most of the time, our anger probably is sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, if we really examine our lives and what we get angry about, it's usually not justice issues, right? Um, and anxiety. Uh, I would say that most of the time, our our anxiety probably is sinful. Right. Um, but I think as we look through the scriptures, we have to be really careful not to make an overgeneralization. 
Right. And so if you make just this general statement, anxiety is a sin, full stop, um, you run the risk, if you look at Jesus' life, of making Jesus a sinner. Yeah. Maybe we need to, to define what anxiety is. Okay. So this is also one of the problems. Our view of anxiety is mainly just informed by our English Western idea mm. of anxiety, mm-hmm. um, which is something like worry, um, to have some type of a, a stress response or worry to um, everyday things. I, I think that's usually what people think about when they think about anxiety. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking about that there could possibly be scenarios in life to which anxiety is a natural response response that's not simple. They're thinking mm-hmm. anxiety is worry that obs- makes maybe makes you obsess over ordinary everyday things. Yeah, I uh, I just googled anxiety just to see what what the definition was and it immediately went into the psychological um realm. Okay. Um like disorders, treatments, mm-hmm. medication, all of that. <laughs> it was immediate. That, right. that was the top of the page. They didn't even they they didn't define it apart from, um, like a disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think you're right. We're the the world the world and its definition of anxiety has influenced us. Right. Um, so I think we need to be really careful when we're thinking about anxiety that we don't immediately say, "Well, this is this is a disorder." I think anxiety, um, properly defined, would be um, a a care. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a strong, it's a strong emotional or psychological reaction and physical. Or, yeah, it, that it, has it, physical it, components. It, 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 uh, it you your body responds right. to to an intense situation, um, whether physical or or emotional. Um. And like you said, it can be accompanied by physical responses. Mm-hmm. And it's a product of the fall. Um, so we live in a fallen world where anxiety is a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, in the new heavens and new earth, we won't have reason to be anxious about anything. Right. Um, but in this fallen world, um, there are circumstances that give rise to worry and anxiety and care. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> so, like I said, the starting point for me usually is to always go back to uh, Jesus to see, did, did Jesus have anything in his life that was similar to what we might would call a anxiety? So the closest I think we can get to something like anxiety uh, is Jesus's experience, because remember, one of the things we need to always hold is that Jesus was truly a human. So he has human responses to things in his life, right? Um, yet without sin. So we go to the, the Garden of Gethsemane, and there we see Jesus. You can go and look at it in Luke uh, chapter 22, verses 39 through 47, which recounts this, and as Jesus goes to pray... Uh, He's under great distress, and the word that is used is agony. So here's, here's what it says in 44. 
And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So we have that detail. John records some other details, and also does Matthew. But we have this detail about him being in great agony. So there's where I think there's a good place to start, is to look at this and see what does this word mean. And I know you did a little research on it. I did as well before we came in. And the word is agonia, Mm -hmm. which means distress, anguish, and in some cases it can mean something like anxiety. Mm-hmm. So just start there. Yeah, I looked at um, at uh, Greek lexicon. The, the, uh, the best Greek lexicon is, uh, it's called BDAG. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to pronounce all the last names of these German guys, um, but BDAG. <clears throat> it's big, big, thick book. Um, and they define uh, agonia as apprehensiveness of mind, especially when faced with impending ills, distress, or anguish. Mm-hmm. Um, apprehensiveness, there's another word, <laughs> there's another word that's synonymous right. with that, right? Um, it's anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that's the noun. Um, <clears throat> the verb form is not used in the New Testament, but it's used in some of the early uh, Christian writings. Yeah. And uh, BDAG, again, it defines it as to be anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, there is this, um, and, and like you said, there's another word that goes along with uh, that goes along with this, mm. uh, agonizomai, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it is a word that is defined as a fight or a struggle. So yeah, the uh, <clears throat> theological dictionary of the New Testament is it's a book that I like because often it'll give you. Um, It'll break it down in a couple of ways. It'll say, how is this word used in secular Greek? Which koinonia, um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, Koine Greek is the common language. So, okay, before the Bible writers wrote, how was this used and where did, where did the word come from? It'll also show you how, if it was used in the Septuagint, how was it used there? And then it'll show you how is it used in the New Testament. So... You can see that in the background, the word emerges from something like a uh, a gathering or an arena, mm-hmm. a place where there was an athletic competition right. or a conflict mm-hmm. happening. So that word then began to be used to describe what would happen to someone that is in an internal conflict. Mm-hmm. So there's internal turmoil happening, right? and that's how <clears throat> it's being used here. Uh, in Luke, mm-hmm. to describe the inner turmoil and distress that's going on uh, with Jesus in the garden. Yeah, and it's it's such that the the capillaries underneath his skin are bursting, and he's he is he's sweating blood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a uh, it's a, a physiological response to his distress. Right. Um, that he's he is in agony. Um, it's not an agony of his body yet. It's an agony of his mind. Right, because he, he understands and he knows. It, I think it was earlier in <clears throat> Luke, and I can't remember the passage where Jesus talks about 
casting fire upon the earth Mm -hmm. and how he's under great distress until Mm -hmm. he is baptized with the baptism to Mm -hmm. which he is. So he has has full knowledge of that. He... His mission that he was sent from the Father to do must go through the cross. Mm-hmm. So he understands what's coming is, and he's seeing Roman crucifixion, obviously, there's that component, but also he understands Isaiah 53, and he understands what's about to happen mm-hmm. when he goes to the cross, that he will be crushed under the wrath of his Father yeah. for the sins of all of his people. Right. Uh, and this is obviously because Jesus again and again he is uh, he we can't we can't like we've said it before Jesus didn't cheat and go into God mode mm. so oh wow great distress let me turn it off <laughs> right. you know he did he didn't do that coupled with this he's great, a man he's a man facing death yeah. Coupled with this is also the great temptation. Mm-hmm. Are you to really think that the devil wasn't mm-hmm. presently, actively trying to get him and do everything he could to not go to the cross? So there's great temptation with this inner turmoil, turmoil and conflict going on. Mm-hmm. So um, this would be acute, a so like type of an acute anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not having an. Well, I guess people would say an anxiety attack. That's not what we're saying. But he's under acute stress, inner turmoil, could be translated as anxiety. The question is, what does he do with it? Right. That's the real question. <clears throat> so he never sins, which tells me it's not a sin to be in that state. Right. So there are, pre- there are preachers today, and they'll take that hard stance, and they will, and I think it's pastoral abuse, They'll make people think, if people ever have that type of experience in their life, that they're sinning because they're not trusting God. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, As you were talking, I was thinking about John chapter 12, verse 27. Jesus says, now is my soul troubled. Mm -hmm. He's coming to his hour and his soul is troubled. And that that word carries the connotation of uh, a sea that's that's being churned. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's in kind of an upheaval over this. Um, so I, I want to I want to maybe now would be a good time to talk about what what uh, sinful anxiety is and what um, just living in uh, a fallen world what that looks like okay. um, before we look at some other examples in the New Testament, because this word, um, agonia, it's it's only used, um, I think, I think it's only used here in Luke 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there are other, there are other words that carry the same, the same idea. Um, and then there's the, the word that is actually translated as anxiety or anxiousness um, in other places. Right. So, yeah. so let's, so where so Jesus well, Jesus experiences this agony this right. this mental this mental fight right and, um, but well, he does not he does not sin right because he entrusts himself right to God and if you can read this in Matthew he prays two times mm-hmm. if it's your will let this cup pass from me what is the cup it's the cup of God's wrath nevertheless not my will but yours be done so yeah. he entrusts himself fully in faith to 
the Father, mm-hmm. to accomplish what he sent him to do. Right. So he faces the stress and the anxiety, and in it, he f- exercises faith. Right. I think this is this is maybe the where that that tweet goes wrong. Right. Um, anxiety. It's uh, it it starts as an emotion, mm-hmm. like it's something that you feel in your chest <laughs> before you feel it anywhere else. Right. And um, I'm afraid that people who are reading that tweet and saying, "Oh, it, it is a sin," as soon as that 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 emotion arises you're immediately going to be struck with another emotion, guilt. Right. Oh, I've, I've, I've sinned. Mm. Um, the anxiety is not necessarily something that you are seeking out. Mm. It's something that is, it's something that your body just naturally produces, right? Mm. In a, in a, a difficult situation. In some cases, it, it could it's like not. It's not. It's not really a conscious, <laughs> conscious reaction well, to something. I mean, in right? some cases, it might save your life, right? <laughs> right. Like you're on a hike out in the the Rockies, mm-hmm. having a good time, and then all of a sudden, you turn around and there's a grizzly bear. Yeah. You're not going to have anxiety. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so it. I, I'm afraid that you know you 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 know you have these blanket statements of anxiety as a sin, and people are going to. Um, they're they're going to they're going to have these feelings that arise that it, they're not choosing to do this. It's it's just something that that pops up because uh, their job is downsizing, right? Or uh, a family member has cancer, mm-hmm. or, and those feelings just immediately arise. Um, and I don't think that those feelings are are a sin. Um, I think that what the the sin. Where the sin comes in, where it becomes sinful anxiety, is the way that you react, right. the way you respond. So um, there are ways that people can respond to anxiety. That's when it becomes sinful. Mm-hmm. So um, when people are um, anxious over um, things that they can't control, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Um, that's when you're worried and it becomes an obsession mm-hmm. uh, and it's controlling your thoughts right? and it's controlling your actions. Right. Um, you're controlled by an ungodly fear. Mm-hmm. Those are things that that's when you are not trusting in God. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you don't believe that God will take care of you. Right. And so you are, um, you're letting Outside circumstances um, control you. You're letting your emotions control you. That's when it becomes sinful. Jesus doesn't do that. He has the feelings of agony, that inner turmoil in his uh, his heart, Um, but he still says, not my will, but yours be done. Mm-hmm. He still is entrusting himself to God. He's mm-hmm. still entrusting himself. Same, same in John chapter twelve. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Mm-hmm. So the the feelings of being troubled or the feelings of being in agony are not sinful. It it would have been sinful, sinful if Jesus had let it change what he was right what he was going to do if it it Mm -hmm. changed his so he's not trusting god anymore he's trying to find some kind of loophole or or it's paralyzing fear that's when it becomes sinful Mm -hmm. yeah um and like you you brought up and if you look at the places where 
Paul and Peter tell the tell the the churches, don't be anxious. They are both places where they're also talking about persecution. Mm-hmm. Don't be don't be anxious. Trust in God. Right. Be faithful. Don't let this paralyze you. Keep doing. Keep being obedient. Keep being faithful. Keep doing the work that God has has given to you. Um, and trust in him right cast those <clears throat> cast those anxieties of uh, the Roman government is starting to crack down on Christianity cast that anxiety on God because he cares for you he's going to take care of you mm-hmm. right right also there's a there's kind of the I think there's a little nuance in the way Jesus is saying this it comes by way of encouragement and uh, pastoral care rather than more like, a command like like I'm not saying it's not a command, but it's not a it's not given in the same way like, hey, um, don't murder. Like he's telling probably anxiety prone disciples who are still learning to trust God with their entire life, mm-hmm. and it's given in the context of the lesson of the sovereignty of God. Right. So here are men who do not yet fully trust in the sovereignty of God, and he's not hitting them with some law. And telling them they're sinners, he's saying, yeah. "Look, you're more valuable than a sparrow. Right. All of the hairs of your head are numbered. Mm. Don't be anxious. Yeah. God cares more about you than He does a sparrow. Right. Uh, so there's the a pastoral element to the way it's given. Right. I, so we shouldn't immediately jump in. I think to the particulars of the grammar, mm. which is what they do. It was done in Philippians by some people who will take this stance. So in Philippians. It is it is given in an imperative mood, which is the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. <clears throat> now I'll give you my little take on this. If you read four through uh, nine, which you can pull it up if you want, Larry, on the screen. All right. So you have some other imperative mood commands. Number one is rejoice. That is also, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice. Mm. All right. So is it, are we to take it that if there is ever a time in the day <laughs> where I am not rejoicing in the Lord always, that I am in sin? Right. Is that, is that how I'm to take that verse? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I don't think so either. Also, if you go to verse 8, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about is in the imperative mood as well. Think about these things. All right, George. So if I do not, if there is a thing in this world that is honorable or pure or whatever, and I am not thinking about that thing, am I sinning? Yeah, I see what you're... I you see, see what, what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So we don't do that to those. Right. Why are we going to do that to this one, mm. uh, uh, which is do not be anxious about anything? Right. I don't think that's the right way to handle Scripture here, yeah. um, to seize upon that one imperative but not the others. Yeah. You know, thinking about Jesus' command, uh, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear. If you're If you lose your job... What are you going to? I mean, you have a family, sure. and you're immediately going to have those feelings of <clears throat> of anxiety, yeah, because you care for your family and you care to take care of them. But 
Yeah. What are you going to do with that? Yeah. What are you going to do with that? If your immediate reaction is all about this situation's out of my control and, and what am I going to do and, mm -hmm. and you're paralyzed by it or, or it just eats up um, your, your thoughts, um, that's sinful. Yeah. But if you recognize this is, um, this is a care, uh -huh. <laughs> a, a legitimate, serious care, um, and then you cast it upon God and you, you recognize that Jesus said God cares for you more than the, the sparrows. He cares for yeah. you more than the, the flowers. He, he cares for you. He'll take care of you. That's not, I don't think that you would immediately say, but you need to repent of, you know, feeling that uh, right. that care that uh, you just lost your job. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that that's, I don't think that's what Jesus or Paul mm -hmm. or Peter right. are talking I think, about. I think they are redirecting you away from your circumstances mm -hmm. onto God. And right. we see this all throughout the, the Psalms. I mean, you, you see David and he is, he has cares. <laughs> he has anxieties. Yeah, and, um, he has real ones. We, uh, we just looked at Psalm 27 in our, uh, our prayer meeting and he talks about how when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. Um, that's not to say that David didn't, um, he didn't have any anxiety about what was going to happen in the future. It was that he cast his cares upon God. He right. recognized that God was his light and his salvation and his stronghold, so he didn't have to be afraid. Right. Yeah. You're right. Um, I wanted to look in the Old Testament to see, look up some verses um, about being anxious or anything like that. And uh, there, there is the, and the reason why I think it's relevant is because there's the word for anxious that is used um I'm not even going to attempt to try to say it correctly, um, but uh, what are we talking about? The word for anxious, yeah, in Hebrew, yeah. So it's used in first in First Samuel nine. You remember what's going on there? Okay. Saul's uh, dad's his donkeys are like lost, mm -hmm. and he sends them out to look for some donkeys. Yeah. In the verse nine five, after a while, he's like, they can't find them, and Saul's like, hey, we probably should go back. I'm summarizing it. We should go back because if we don't go back, then my dad's going to be anxious about us. Right. Wonder. I wonder what happened to us. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, there is that's that's uh, that's sinful. Jay, his uh, Saul's dad should have just said, "Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is." <laughs> I got other kids. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that because obviously, if you've got teenagers, you're going to worry about your kids a little bit. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Uh, and that's a natural part of being a parent is, I mean, if you don't, do you even care? I mean, that that's gets to it, right? Gets to the kind of like the heart of what the word means, right. to care. It's to care. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it, and I think that's, again, just trying to reemphasize what does, what is sinful anxiety? Because we all, we all struggle with it. We all sin in this way. Um, it's when your cares outweigh your trust. Right. So you're supposed to cast your cares on God because you you trust God more than you're worried about your circumstances, mm -hmm. the things that are going on in your life. So if you are letting those cares 
weigh you down and consume your thoughts, that's sinful. Right. But if you have those cares, you have those anxieties, which First uh, Peter chapter 5 wouldn't even make sense. If you didn't have anxiety, you're supposed to cast your anxiety on right. God, which it implies that you have those mm-hmm. um, because he cares for you. Right. So he cares for you so you can cast your care on him. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there, this word that is translated in Philippians 4 is, as anxiety Mm-hmm. Don't be anxious. Yeah, um, it's used in other places in the New Testament. I it's think it would, I think it would be instructive for us to look at it. It's used in a lot of places. It's used in its verb form, but it's also used in its noun form. Mm-hmm. And so, I think we could uh, we could look at some places to get a, a good idea of what's going on. Yeah, all right. Because um, if we just look at Philippians four six uh-huh. and we ignore the fact that this word is used in other places by Paul. Um, I, I think we will come to this this imbalance. I gotta try something. Right. I think it, that you're you're talking about the uh, this one, right? Well, there's I mean there's Let several that we. What are we? What? Merim now. There you go. Yeah. Merim Merim now. Merim now. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, I got to say it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's an interesting word to try to pronounce. <laughs> yeah. You've got an you've got. An M and an N next to each other, mm-hmm. so it can be a little little tricky. Yeah. Um, so, what, what do you where do you want to look? We, could, we I mean, there, there are a there, lot of places. There, let's let me let let's look at a at a sinful a sinful um, anxiety okay. first. Okay. Right. Um, and this would be in um, Luke chapter ten. All right. So this word is used um, in Luke chapter ten. Um, it's used in verse 41, but, uh, let's, uh, let's look at verses 38 through 42, and then we can, I think that it will be clear what sinful anxiety looks like. So this is Mary and Martha. Okay. All right. Um, so it says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Right. So what is, what's Martha doing? Being busy. Yeah, yeah. She's, she is, um... She cares about Jesus mm-hmm. and taking and and providing for him, which is good. That's a that's a good care, but it has consumed her thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's consumed her thoughts, and it it's causing her to it's it's affecting how she responds to someone else. You you've we've all been there, right? Yeah. We're busy. We've got things we've got to do, and here's you know uh, my kids over here playing a video game. Mm-hmm. And so my anxiety ha- it now is going to control um, my thoughts, and it's going to control my actions, and so I lash out at him. Mm-hmm. Right. So I sin against him because of my my care, my anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where sinful anxiety comes in. Um, Mary is content to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. Martha is so consumed by making sure that everything's taken care of in the house that um she 
forgets who's there. <laughs> she oh. forgets that Jesus is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's willing to, um, you know, even go and try to get him to tell Mary to come and help me. Um, that's, that's sinful anxiety. Mm. All right. So there's a, I think that's a, a, a really clear example of sinful anxiety. Uh, but let's look at some, uh, some places where, uh, where Paul uses this word and it's, uh, it, we'd be really hard pressed to say this is sinful. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Where do you want to go first? Um, you don't first know Corinthians you, you don't 12, know, You don't 20, know where you want to go first, do you? First Corinthians 12, 20, beginning in verse 20. You know, um, 24. But God has so composed the body, giving great honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another. So what is he saying? It's the same word for for anxiety, right? So he's saying, care about each other, right? Yeah, right. Um, it's interesting that Paul uses the word in Philippians mm-hmm. twice. Yeah. So Philippians four six, he says, "Be anxious for nothing." But in Philippians chapter uh, two verse twenty, he's talking about um, uh, he is talking about Timothy. Mm-hmm. And he says, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned, yeah, anxious right. for your welfare. Mm-hmm. Well, Timothy, stop, stop being anxious for their welfare. Don't you know you're not supposed to be, you're not supposed to be anxious? <laughs> right. I Just know. pray for them. Don't be anxious yeah. for them. Um, but it's the word for concerned. Right. He's concerned for them. They, they're, when they're apart, he is thinking about them. He's right. he's concerned for their welfare, for their well being. He wants he wants them to be um, growing and 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 being sanctified. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the same word, right? Same word, right? Yeah. Um, we've got Paul uh, using it in First Corinthians chapter seven, mm-hmm. um, which might be a good place for us to to look. First Corinthians chapter seven. Which is uh, he's he uses the word several times in the context of marriage. So he's instructing yeah, he he's instructing people on um, the benefit of remaining single, mm-hmm. right? Um, so he says in verse thirty-two, "I want you to be free from anxieties." Yeah, All right. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, mm-hmm. um, how to please the Lord. So wait a second. He just said, I want you to be free from anxieties. <laughs> right. The single person's anxious for the things of the Lord. Mm-hmm. He's concerned. He's concerned, right? So right. in the context, we have, to, we have to say, what are the anxieties that he wants you to be free from? Um, he says, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So what is the anxiety that he's, he wants them to be free from in this context? Uh, just having to be uh, take up time by caring for your spouse. Yeah. So those that are single, the benefit that they have is they can actually do more work for the Lord. Right. Because what is expected of a married person? Mm-hmm. That they actually care for their spouse. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so it, it, in the context of I want you to be free from anxieties, he's not saying don't care for your spouse right. or don't care for the things of the Lord. Um, it, it would be yeah. absurd mm-hmm. um, to, to interpret this in that way. It's, he is arguing for the, the superiority of staying single in the ministry mm-hmm. of serving Christ. Yeah. Right. And so he wants them to be free from the concerns of being married. Right. Having to take care of your spouse and what's going on in their life and then you have kids and, and all of that. It it can it it can divide your attention. Yeah. Um but he does say he's not laying some kind of you know, burden on them. He's not laying down a rule that you have to remain single. He's just saying it's better if you remain single. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Here's another one, 2 Corinthians, uh, found in chapter 11, where Mm -hmm. Paul begins to boast in his afflictions, Mm -hmm. right? You know, it's the famous list, I was danger in the water, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, I was beaten, you know, and uh, stoned and shipwrecked, and then he goes on in cold and exposure, Um, he lists all his afflictions, and then he says at the end of this list, verse 28, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Mm-hmm. So what's he doing? He's like on this journey, you know, planting churches. Yeah. And he's all these terrible things are happening to him. But what is he thinking about all the time? Right. Oh man, I really i I hope uh, the Philippians mm-hmm. are uh, are practicing the partnership in the gospel. You know, he's he's. I hope these. He's cr- not I hope s- these Corinthians aren't being just right. complete freaks. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he's uh, got come on, a, Paul. Cast your cast those anxieties on the that's Lord. That's right, right, Paul. You told don't be anxious. Yes, you, uh, Paul. You told us already. Yeah. Um, how can you contradict yourself? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but here is the difference again. Right. I just want to keep emphasizing it again and again, um, so we we have this clear distinction between sinful and and natural anxiety. Um, his anxiety for the churches does not paralyze him and con- and consume all of his thoughts so that he can't function. Right. He is concerned for the churches. So what does he say that he does at the beginning of almost every letter? Mm. Every time I think about you, I pray, I pray for, for you. you. Sinful anxiety for Paul in this context may look something like the Corinthian church is so messed up, I can never leave. Mm. So yeah. he doesn't continue his right. missionary journey. Mm-hmm. It's controlling his he's actions. he's not trusting God right. and the providence of God to care for the church. Mm-hmm. And so he never leaves. He right. thinks it all depends on him. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's read 2 Corinthians, and you can you can see why he would be anxious right. for them, because these uh, you know, so-called super apostles show up um, and are winning people over to their side mm-hmm. and perverting the gospel. Um, but... Even though he's he's got anxiety for the churches, at the end of all of his letters, he entrusts them to the grace and peace of of Christ. Right? Yeah. Um, so he he entrusts in, in these churches that he cares so deeply for to the goodness and mercy of God. Um, not uh, it's not the same word, but I think it's the same idea. Right. Um, at the beginning of Second Corinthians. So if we're if we're just looking at the word that that uh, you know most English Bibles translate as as anxiety, 
um, where we're going to find, you know, Matthew 6, 1 Corinthians 7, Luke 10, Philippians 4, um, uh, this, the passage in 2 Corinthians. Uh, but if we look at some of these other words, like we did with agonia, um, agony, we'll find that there, there are other words that carry the same kind of connotation. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those words is found at the beginning of 2 Corinthians, um, where Paul is, um, he is talking about how God has comforted them in all of their afflictions so that they can comfort anybody in any affliction. And uh, he starts talking about his experience in Asia. Okay. This would be you know, Asia Minor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 8, he says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Um, so the experiences yeah. of of Paul and, right. and his companions was so bad that they thought they were going to die. Yeah, that they despaired. They despaired of it. Um, that word is uh, it's translated or or defined by uh, by BDAG again as to be at a loss psychologically. Mm. I think there's a word that we could put in there, right? Mm-hmm. They're anxious, right? Um, because they're so burdened. That 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 word carries this this meaning of being pressed down like with a weight. Mm-hmm. They're so burdened, they're so weighed down by by whatever afflictions that they experienced um, that they despaired. They despaired. They were they were at a loss. Right. Um, they they didn't know what to do. But <laughs> it says in verse nine, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. That's and that's where you always got to get to. That's where you got to go. Yeah, yeah, that's where you got to get to. Yeah, yeah. Um, if if he would have said, you know, um, and so we thought about giving up, thought I'd just go home, <laughs> or um, you know, you uh, you apostatize, or you grumble and complain, or you know, uh, it, it consumes your thoughts and consumes you so much that it affects um, your obedience, right? Um, that's sinful, but if you take those anxieties and you recognize that it's out of your control and you have a God who loves and, and cares for you, that's that's what Paul does. That's right. what Jesus does. That's what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so I think we've answered the question pretty clearly using the scriptures, that anxiety can be a sin, but it obviously just using the Bible, we can see that it is not always. Now... Knowing that people are very much influenced by the way the world thinks about anxiety and its causes, uh, maybe let's talk briefly about it, because it's also similar to the way the world maybe views depression. Um, The church in general has been very influenced by the secular world in this regard. So they immediately will go to some type of psychological component that is probably rooted in biology, mm-hmm. right? Right. So if you go to see a secular person about your anxiety or your depression for the past 20 to 25 years, they'll immediately will go, and I just read a bunch of stuff before this podcast, and anyone listening can too, um, they're immediately going to go to a theory, which is, uh, 
I can't remember what it's called, but it has to do with chemical imbalance. I think it's called a chemical imbalance theory, which has to do with serotonin levels and other things like that, mm-hmm. which affect neurotransmitters <clears throat> in the brain. They'll immediately go there. Um, I don't want to say that is never the case, right? Um, that there could be there's something in your brain that can attribute to anxiety. Mm-hmm. But what I don't want to do is to say that is the only cause. And if if they'll, you'll read some, you know, you can read psychologists, they're honest about it. They'll also say there's usually underlying causes to these other things, right? Environmental, behavioral, um, things from your past, all these other underlying issues. But what they'll usually do is prescribe to have a medicine as if that will fix it. And there was a huge study that just came out regard in regards to depression, um, which you can look up in Google, which kind of threw the psychological world for a major, major curveball. Um, very in-depth study, tons of data, which shows there's no definitive evidence that depression is caused by chemical imbalance, mm-hmm. which is what I've been saying forever. So... <clears throat> One way I kind of think about this in the brain is that the brain, the brain itself, we we know, is very placid. That means it's 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 malleable. It's like think of it like a play-doh, right? Your brain can change many different times during your entire life, even the the physiology of it. Um, so what we don't want to say is. This is why this is happening. Because therefore then, well, then you are almost powerless to do anything to fix it. Uh, One thing that I could think of in this regard would be um, what they know about pornography use. Mm -hmm. So uh, long-term pornography use actually alters the brain. It alters the brain chemistry. It actually changes your neurons. Mm -hmm. The, The way your brain... Uh, works is changed. So what you don't want to do in that regard then, right, is to think that, so the term is correlation equals causation, right? So if you just studied the brains of 100 people who were addicted to pornography, then you would go, all their brains are all different than everyone else's. The cause is their brain. Their brain's different, and therefore they're addicted to pornography. That would then lead to the wrong conclusion. That's the wrong conclusion. What actually happened was the behavior itself actually physically altered the brain and taught the brain to be as it was. Mm. So I think this a same type of similar thing can happen in someone's life. I don't know how it would emerge. All I know is that our behavior and the things that we do and the things we encounter as we are growing up influence how we develop. They influence how our brain works. And the things that you are afraid of, that you have anxieties of, could be crippling anxieties. Mm. You can learn to overcome them. Right. It's 100%, 100% a fact. I was telling Larry before we were talking in the office, one of the things that happens in the military is right at the beginning of your training, they'll expose you to a wide variety of things that people would have phobias of. Mm. Right, so they they may make you crawl through a dark, uh, like pipe filled with water. So you can't. There's not that 
you know, you, your head is barely above water and you're dragging yourself through this pipe pipe. So there are people who are scared of tight spaces. Mm-hmm. They have actually, they, they have no choice but to do it. Yeah. Right? So they are forced to confront that fear. And then after they are confronted with it, however many number of times, they then have, they learn to overcome it and go beyond it. They do the th- same thing with heights. Uh, people are scared of confrontation, so they make people fight each other. Um, there's all kinds of things, fears that just the general population has. And so you can learn you can learn to overcome it. Public speaking, right? I used to be absolutely terrified. Yeah. To I mean, like crippling fear of public speaking. Yeah. Well, what do I do every Sunday? <clears throat> right. Yeah, I just talked about that uh, this past week. Um, it's called glossophobia. Fear of public speaking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the American Institute of Mental Health uh, says that uh, 75% of the population fears that more than death. Right. That's crazy. That's, that's wild. Mm. So that's, that causes severe anxiety. Mm-hmm. Well, you can actually learn to overcome that. Right. Um, when, I don't think Brooke would care about me telling you this. Hopefully <laughs> Fam- not. Famous last Famous words. Famous last words. She doesn't listen to the podcast anymore. Okay. <laughs> so Brooke That works too. <laughs> when Brooke was probably twelve or thirteen, so she's going through that process, you know, becoming a woman. She's changing, her brain's changing, everything about her's changing. She became she became very anxious, and I mean anxious about everything. Um, to where it would make her stomach hurt. Things would make her stomach hurt, like everyday things. You know, going to school, walking into the cafeteria. Um, and I can remember back to when I was her age, I experienced similar things, but maybe hers was was worse. Um, anxiety regarding other people, other girls, um, a whole variety of things. It was affect her behavior. It was very unhealthy. What would the world tell me to do, George? I have no idea. Well, uh, I guess uh, medicate. Take her to a yeah. psychologist, get her on some medicine. Mm-hmm. So finally, over a process of using you know God's Word to instruct her and having some very serious, hard conversations with her, which we had to get to the root of it, right? The root of it was is she did not have, she was not living out what she would profess. She would profess the sovereignty of God, over everything in her life. But she wasn't actually living it. She had to learn how to live that truth out, that God is sovereign over her entire life, um, that she's not trusting Him. She likes to be in control of things. Uh, When she can't be, you know, that causes her anxiety, Um, maybe worry about what other people think of her, fear of man, fear of what other girls think of her, Mm. Um, all of these things. And... And then there was also this component that I told her is that she was she was mental she was mentally weak. I said you haven't learned yet to face a fear with the sovereignty of God and move through it. Once you learn to take with you the trust in God that you're literally immortal until he's a, until the time of your death. I love that quote from George Whitfield. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, for me, it's helpful. Yeah. You're immortal until the time of your death that God has appointed for you. Yeah. Um, and 
she learned to move beyond it simply by uh, facing, like facing the fear directly, like being honest, this causes me fear and anxiety. I'm not trusting God. I'm playing God in my own life. Um, that and that alone moved her beyond it. What I fear happens, though, is Christians will cave and immediately run to medication. Now, medication can work, but it, it does so by literally, if you'll read about the stuff, not just fixing that anxiety, but giving like a numbing effect to other emotions and other stimuli. So you're changing yeah. this. You're changing the individual, and then you're not dealing with the underlying. Cause. Yeah, you're not. You're not being obedient. You're. Right. You're not. You're not being sanctified. You're being medicated. Right. Um. I've got this. Um. I've got this. Uh. Book on psychological terms, uh, from a biblical perspective, and uh, it's got a. It's got a page on anxiety disorders. Mm -hmm. And I, I like what it says here. It says that ungodly fear and anxiety focuses on what might happen to you without consideration of the love, wisdom, and sovereign power of God. Mm. So this, this anxiety, this sinful anxiety, it's focused on circumstances, may not even be specific things. You're just fearful of... You don't the unknown. You of, may not even of, know what of the future that is revealing that you don't actually trust God. Mm. God, the 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 silver bullet to ungodly fear is God is sovereign. He is all wise, all powerful, and He loves His people. And so you can you Every, don't you don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know what's going to happen in five minutes from now. We could we could be anxious about those things, or we could say God is sovereign; um, that nothing comes into our lives apart from Him and His decree. Right. And so, what have we to be afraid of? If we yeah. if we trust in God and we know that um, for those who love God and are called according to His purpose, all things are working for our good, what do we have to be afraid of? Which is why Jesus uses the silver bullet, like he said, to teach his disciples. Mm -hmm. A sparrow doesn't die. Right. Not even a little sparrow dies apart from God. Right. All the hairs of your head are numbered. Mm -hmm. Aren't you more valuable than a sparrow? Right. So this what he's doing is he's teaching he's them. He's teaching that. the sovereignty of God. Yeah. Yeah. Over over <clears throat> things that are not even worth our 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 time <laughs> to mm -hmm. think about. Um, if I if I was worried over every time a hair fell out of my head, I'd be worried all the time. Right. Um, but not a single hair falls out of my head apart from the sovereignty of God. Yeah. Every single one of my hairs are numbered uh -huh. because he cares for me down to those minute details. Um, that doesn't mean that um, bad things aren't going to happen. It doesn't mean that we'll never experience anxiety or fear. It means that when those things happen, we can always know that God is sovereign and that he cares for us. Yeah. Did you have that one example where you told me about the guy who couldn't take left turns? Oh, yeah. That Was, was that anxiety-related? Um, 
It was no, uh, but I mean, obsessive compulsive disorder, it is a form of, of ungodly fear. Uh, um, if you don't do, if you don't do this, then bad things will happen. Right. That that's um, that's a denial of of God's sovereignty. Also, right. um, the root the root problem to it wasn't um, wasn't that it it actually was traced to something wildly different. Okay. But um, obsessive compulsive disorder OCD it it is ungodly fear. Um, it's um, it is not trusting the sovereignty of God. I've got to I've got to go and I've got to turn the lock seven times, or something bad is going to happen. If I uh, if I step on a crack, something bad will happen. Um, it it all is traced back to ungodly fears. Yeah, yeah, um, and a denial that God is sovereign. Um, so if you're focused on circumstances and it's without you know regard to God, you're you're living like a practical atheist. Um, God is not just involved in the big things. He's involved in all the little things. There's not a single molecule that is outside of God's sovereign control. Um, everything that happens from where you walk <laughs> to the words that come out of your mouth are all under God's sovereignty. Right. Um, and so we don't have to, we don't have to fear. Yeah. We don't have to fear these things. Yeah. Um, but if you are denying the sovereignty of God, and you have more of a you know a deist view of God that that God just kind of sets the world in motion and lets it run its course, um, then you're going to be afraid all the time. You're always going to be anxious. Not, I mean, I I I deal with sinful fear, as you do with your uh, sharks. Right. Um, I come in contact with my my fears more often than you do because I'm afraid of spiders. Yeah. Um, now if you come into contact with a spider and you don't know what kind it is, there's a healthy fear. Mm -hmm. But if I am so paralyzed by it that I won't go into my garage because, well, there's spiders out there. Right. Um, that's ungodly. Yeah, because that is a denial that God is taking care of me. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, one illustration I kind of thought of in in regard to, so for the one who is professing to be a Christian, there are, as we said, there are anxieties that aren't sinful, but sometimes we fall into anxiety that not only is sinful, it's irrational. Mm -hmm. In this regard, that God is real. That he is, that he does love us, that he promises to work everything in our life for our good, that is into conformity to Christ, mm -hmm. and that even at our death we'll be resurrected from the dead and glorified. Yeah. Given that that's true, many of our anxieties are completely irrational. So one thing I thought of to it made me think, kind of help me to think about it, maybe to help you think about it too, is you remember like when you're a little kid. Um, and you don't want to swim in the deep end of the pool because you are 100% convinced there are sharks in it. You've never seen that? Uh, no. no I, uh, I know I'm not the only one. Larry, have you ever heard of that? 
little kids, yeah. So you know, maybe kid watch Jaws or whatever they watch. They jump in. They don't even maybe want to jump in off the diving board. But if they do, they're like swimming out fast. Like mm. they're scared that there's yeah. something in there. And there's a there's sharks in a freshwater swimming pool yeah. in the middle of Oklahoma. Um, completely irrational. Mm. Mm-hmm. Given the sovereignty of God, that He cares for us, that He loves us, that He works all things for our good, that even in if we die, He'll raise us from the dead. We'll yeah. live forever with Him. We'll be glorified. Most of our anxieties are irrational, like yeah. that. Right? You know what I mean? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to to um, the psalmist in Psalm forty six. He says, "God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling." Yeah. Even if the whole world falls apart, right? Um, we don't have to fear because God is with us. Yeah, that's right. You want to shut us down? I think that's good, man. I think uh, we're done. I think we've exhausted. Do you want to do a? Do you want to do a, do a uh, funny video sandwich? I you had know. one at the beginning. I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you got? Well, I mean, it's up to you. I don't know. Maybe save it for next okay, time. I'll save it for next time. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, hopefully this has been beneficial for you. We we wanted to do this episode to um, to give some practical help to people, um, and also to remind us that we need to be very careful students of the word because it's very easy for us to make um, over generalizations um, that aren't quite up to uh, to par with what the scriptures teach. So hopefully this has been helpful. If it has, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. And uh, as always, we hope that this helps you to become more and more conformed to Christ.